in today's show, we're talking about the Minnesota Timberwolves, the experimental season. Did it work? No. Will it work in the future? I don't know. We'll talk about what happened. We'll talk about what that might mean for the future as well. And we'll talk to Michael Bolton. Thanks, Josh. It's Michael Bolton here, and it's time for another episode of the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast. Let's get to it. Let's get to it. Indeed. You are Locked On Fantasy Basketball, your daily fantasy basketball podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast brought to you by Basketball Monster. My name is Josh Lloyd and I am the lead fantasy analyst at BasketballMonster.com. You can find me on Twitter as always at RedRock underscore B-Ball, on TikTok at RedRock underscore B-Ball and on Instagram at Locked On Fantasy Basketball. Download the Game Time app, create an account and use the code LOCKEDONNBA for 20 bucks off your first purchase. Last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. Thank you for making Locked On Fantasy Basketball your first listen every day. We are free and we are available on all platforms. So we're going to talk Minnesota Timberwolves. Might as well do it right now. What do you think? Warnie. Let's get it on, Gilly. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Timberwolves, a team that when the trade went down, there was a lot of criticism of it. It was way too much for Rudy Gobert. I think we're all well aware of that. The thing that I got wrong with the trade is I thought it would make them a pretty good regular season team, a very good regular season team. It didn't. And I thought that what it could mean is, hey, there's a chance that this team is top two in the West, but a gigantic chance they're out in the first round of the playoffs. Got that part right. They just weren't a top two team in the West. And yes, it is hard to know given the injury of Carl Anthony Towns, but it wasn't tracking that direction. They had some good moments at times. But overall, it was a failure. And I don't know exactly what happens, with this team, we'll talk about that more in a little bit, but it didn't work. And they are now in deep shit in terms of where they, they land with their draft picks. They don't have their first round of this season. They've got many other unprotected first round picks they're given up and pick swaps and all that sort of stuff. They also made a secondary trade during the season, trading away D'Angelo Russell for Mike Conley. And I think most people would say Conley's a better player, but he's what, eight years older? So where does that leave them? The timelines are all over the place. The team's a mess. And I don't know what they do here. Despite all of that, despite me saying how bad they were and everyone shitting on them all season, they made the playoffs. They finished 42 and 40. That's not bad. It's not great. And you would hope for more after going all in like that. And that's the problem. But it wasn't a disaster, disaster in terms of they were so bad, they didn't make the playoffs and they finished with 33 wins. They were still okay, but you needed more. 16th in net rating, 0.5. That's about the right area for them. That's like their net rating equals their record. They were 23rd on offense and 8th in defense. So they needed a big, big improvement on defense. They got it. So for all the criticisms of Gobert, and and a lot of them are right, a lot of them are wrong, but a lot of them are right, they did improve their defense. The problem is that we thought this sort of weird too big lineup, which we didn't even see all season anyway, would have an impact on their offense. And that, that clearly did 23rd on offense. Their best lineup, this season, interestingly, was that sort of jumbo-ish lineup, but not the jumbo two-center lineup, the jumbo three-power forward lineup with Conley, McDaniels, Prince, Anderson, and Gobert, which had a net rating of 21.3. They didn't really use that until right at the end of the season where they were getting some numbers where Anthony Edwards was out. You'll notice Edwards is in that lineup. That's not an indication of him being good or not. But that was a lineup that got some real juice for them 
towards the end of the season when Edwards was injured and obviously put up that really strong net rating. I don't know if it's any indication of anything moving forward. It's not, in fact. But that was their best lineup. In free agency, they've got $7 million in cap space. You can't do a ton with that. And they have got interesting free agent decisions to make. Austin Rivers is an unrestricted free agent. Cool. He's pretty much washed at this point. Jalen Noel, who we'll talk about later, struggled a lot this year, but he does have an interesting skill set. The big one there is Nas Reed, the Wizard of Noz, who we know can put up big numbers. But you know, what do they view of him? Because at the start of the year, he didn't play really. He got run a little bit when Towns was out. He had a nice little stretch when Towns and Gobert were out. Then they both came back and Reed, we thought, would get squeezed and they went, no, we're just going to play him a lot of minutes because he was dominating. And then he broke his wrist and was out for the season. I think that he's a very... Uh, is he a starting caliber player? I, I don't know. I I think that if he did go to a team and they wanted to start him, there'd be numbers. Yeah, he'd put up really good numbers. But... I don't think it leads you to winning basketball. I think he is Bobby Portis. That's the sort of player he is, a guy that can fill in, put up good numbers, and needs to sort of rein in some of the hyper-aggressive offensive stuff. But you just don't want him as a full-time starter. So his free agency is going to be really intriguing. They've also got Nathan Knight with a team option, who's like, is okay, but who cares, honestly. And then there's Nikhil Alexander-Walker as a restricted free agent, who I expect that they bring back he came across in the Conley D'Angelo Russell deal. Um, showed really, really big improvements on defense. But for a guy that came into the league with this offensive upside and shooting and passing, that's all gone. Like he just can't do any of that apparently anymore. And he only is a sort of a, a defensive guy, which is important. But I think they will bring him back as a restricted guy. You don't expect they're making any sort of splashes in free agency. Their big moves is just going to be hey, do we retain Reed? Do we retain, retain Noel? And I think they will. But what, is that? what does that bring you? Where, where does that take you? Not sure. Their draft stuff, there's nothing good here. No first round pick. They don't even have their own second round pick. I think they've got the Pelicans second round pick. Is it the Pelicans? Let's double check that. They've got someone's second round pick and I don't think it's theirs. Is it even, well, the Pelicans wouldn't have picked 53. No, it was the Knicks. They've got the Knicks second round pick because their second rounder has gone to the Grizzlies as part of a deal on the 2022 uh, draft night. I don't remember what that deal was, but anyway, it doesn't matter. Um, Pick 53, according to my mock draft, ADP would be Jalen Clark. Cool. You know, having someone like a Jalen Clark on your team could you know, replace, if you don't bring back Alexander Walker, probably not a, he's not really a Jalen Noel type, but an Austin Rivers type. That doesn't matter. It's pick 53 in the draft, and that's not really impacting a huge amount for this squad. So that brings us to the question from Horp, who, Horp, not Horp, Hoop Talk 705. He says, do you think Cat... He's still on the team at the start of the season. And this is, it mirrors very much what we did in the yesterday's show for the Atlanta Hawks, where everyone's like, well, they've got to blow it up and trade Trey Young. And now the thought is, well, we've got to blow it up and trade Carl Anthony Towns. It's the only way that they can get assets back that they lost in the Gobert deal. And that is true. Well, that is true. You can't trade Gobert to get assets back at this point. You probably could get something back in a Towns deal. I also think that the team has gone, we have invested in this lineup, foolishly, doubled down on it with the D'Angelo Russell Mike Conley deal to get someone in to help with Gobert. Um, and we didn't really get to see anything with Towns because he was injured all season. And did they play particularly well in the playoffs? Not really. So the odds would suggest to me that, yes, Carl Anthony Towns is on this team. 
Because A, who was the group of suitors that are lining up to give them back a huge package for Towns with his extension kicking in this season at like, what, $250 million? Um, who's giving back picks? Um, and on a team that went in on Gobert at age 31 and Conley at age 35, 36, like, what do draft picks do with them? Like, how does that help them? They'd need to make multitudes of deals. And the only one of their solid players who's really around Anthony Edwards' age is Towns, and they're not the same age. Okay, McDaniels is in that group as well, obviously. So I, I don't think they're trading Carl Anthony Towns. And I don't think they're trading Rudy Gobert. I don't think they're going to be able to do anything along those lines, and they'll try it again for a full season and see what comes of it. What do you think? Do you, th- do you think they're going to just... You guys listening, if you're watching on YouTube, do you think they're going to trade Carl Anthony Towns? I don't. I don't think it's going to happen. But what I do know is that today's episode is brought to you by Game Time. Tickets for events, it shouldn't be a pain. You shouldn't have to be planning it months in advance. You shouldn't have to be worried about what tickets you're getting. It should be just an easy, simple, unstressed situation. And that's what Game Time brings you. Killer deals on last-minute tickets, best price guarantee. You can stop stressing over those tickets and start getting hyped for the fun that you will have. They have flash deals. They've got last-minute tickets. They do it for sporting events, baseball, basketball playoffs, hockey playoffs, theater, comedy, musicals, whatever. Whatever event you're looking for, it is going to be on game time. You can see images of the views of the seat. So click on that seat and go, hey, this is what I'm going to see when I'm sitting in this spot. They've also got these guarantees. They've got the game time guarantee, which means you get the best price. So if you find a ticket in the same section in the same row for less, game time gives you 110% of the difference back. So download the game time app, create that account, and use the code LOCKDOWNNBA for 20 bucks off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account and redeem Locked On NBA for $20 off. Download game time today. Last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. All right, let's go into the players and let's start with the previously mentioned Carl Anthony Towns. Was it a disappointing season from Towns for a number of reasons? Yes. He finished 25th in category leagues, 38th in points leagues, and ADP of 10. As you're well aware, I faded Towns quite a bit. I had no, I didn't actually want to pick him in the first round. I didn't. I think I had him 14th or 15th. Um, as an early second round guy, obviously that wouldn't have even worked out picking him there. But wasting a first round pick on him didn't make a ton of sense to me given the um, fit with Rudy Gobert. And while some of what happened with Towns this season and where his ranking is, is due to injury and the working back from injury later in the season. When he got hurt, I think he was about 15th. So that was sort of bang on where I thought he would be. He's 27. He'll be 28 around the start of next season. He only played 29 games and 33 minutes with a 26 usage. He averaged 21 and 8. He averaged over two threes. He averaged almost five assists. But the thing that we worried about with Towns was, is playing next to Gobert, that we would see... Well, the, the major talking point on Towns was he's going to get hit from two sides. Is that he's going to lose rebounds, he's going to lose blocks. And he went down to 0.6 blocks and eight rebounds. So check, that happened. And then we said, I think he's going to lose number one offensive option usage to Anthony Edwards. And he did. He went from the number one guy to the number two guy, which pushed him down to 21 points. He shot 50% from the field, 37 from three, 87 from the line. All of that is still elite. Look, there's still great stuff here from Towns. But the things that we expected, the drop-in usage, the drop-in rebounds, the drop-in blocks, pushed him to be a second-round guy. Now, if I'm looking at him next season, I don't know whether the injury is, you know, how much do we worry about that injury recurring or not drafting him because he misses tons of time. You know I'm not one of those people. 
that's going to be worried about that. But I'd be more likely to take him third round that I would be first round. There's no way I'm taking him in the first round because again, even before last season, I had no interest in him in the first round. But around the 18, 19 mark, 17 mark, I think is probably going to, I don't know yet, but I think that's probably going to be right. And what can happen on these numbers here is instead of 33 minutes, it might be 35 minutes. And that bumps just everything up that little bit more, which pushes him back around the top 20. His advanced numbers were still pretty good. Darko's got him 26 in the NBA. You can see there was a drop-off on that Darko graph as he returned from injury and struggled, obviously. But he was still tracking okay early on. His EPM and his estimated wins, they're all pretty good. LeBron didn't love him. There was definitely a drop-off in Towns and some of that is fit stuff. But I'm not writing him off. I still think that we've got three to four years of him being a really strong fantasy player. Just the first round stuff probably doesn't come back unless he's back playing as a center because then the blocks, while they're not great, they can go to one or 1.2. The rebounds can go to 10 and maybe the field goals go to 53. And that bumps all that stuff up. The usage of playing against Edwards is never coming back. He's never getting back to the level that he was, but the other stuff can if they do split him and go bear up. You can see the gigantic gaping hole there in the middle of his fantasy points graph because he missed all that time with that grade three uh, calf thing, which was a really interesting thing. Interesting, annoying, because yeah, they said oh, he'll be back in four weeks or whatever it was. And when he went down, we looked at that and went, well, that's, well that, that could be the season. That looks pretty rough. And then they came out with this nonsense comment. And then he came out weeks later and said, what are they talking about? It's definitely not grade one. It's grade three. This is a three-month injury. And that's exactly sort of what it was. So a lot of disconnect there between him and the team as well. You can see on the EPM graph how he was still playing well, got hurt, and then never really regained that level of impact, which is not a surprise coming back from an injury like that, reintegrating into a team, playing through in the playoffs and a hard portion of the season. So again, I am expecting Towns to be better than he was this season. And I am expecting Towns that if he was traded, which I don't think is going to happen, but if he was traded, he could push back to top 10, top 12 for a couple more years. Don't really have... Any concerns about what he can do? Is he a guy that you bank on as your number one player to lead you to the pointy end of the playoffs? Probably not. Lack of defense, lack of um, production when the pressure's on in the playoffs, still real. But for us in fantasy, all we sort of need to see is situation and who he's with and what team he's on as to where we can value him as we move forward. Let's go to the next guy. And that is Goose, Anthony Edwards. A guy that, to me, was getting overdrafted. There were a lot of people going ham on him, like pick 15, pick 16, expecting big steps forward from him. And I pushed back on that. I had him probably, I don't remember. I definitely didn't have him in the top 20, probably in the 25 to 30 range. And on a per game basis, he was 33rd. He was 26th in points leagues. But because he played so much, his category rank comes in as 11th. His points league comes in as ninth on a totals basis. So once again, I would be really cautious about when you look up ranking numbers of players of, of viewing that, of saying, well, that means he's going to be a first round player next season. And when we put out our top 25 dynasty players ranked over the last three years, as I've mentioned a couple of times, that a bunch of Timberwolves fans caught it and said, well, Edwards has got to be number one. Why is Edwards number one? This list is trash. You don't know what you're talking about. Edwards is clearly the best player from the last three years. Not even fantasy-wise, they were talking, which, whatever, you can have that opinion. That's fine. But part of the argument is, well, Edwards never misses time. Cool. So did the bloke we just talked about, Carnathy Towns. Never misses time. Never gets hurt. Absolute Iron Man. 
until you're not. So when you bank on things, and Edwards did hurt his ankle, played through it. Didn't play well when he played through it, let's be fair. Like, that really hurt him a lot. Um, you can't prevent a broken arm or a dislocated shoulder or a torn ACL or a grade three calf strain. You can't. You can't do anything about it. So if you're basing these numbers and go, well, yeah, look, his ADP was 21. I picked him at 15. He finished 11th. That's a huge W for me. It's not a predictive W, I don't think. In saying all of this, Edwards is still 21. He'll be 22 at the start of next season. He played 79 games, 36 minutes, 31 usage. So we got the spike. We got the usage spike, we thought. The minutes were great. 25 points, 2.7 triples, 6 rebounds, 4.5 assists, 1.6 steals, 0.7 blocks. All those numbers, unbelievably elite. Okay, well, they're not all elite, but overall as a package, really good. So why was Edwards the 33rd ranked player? Why? Well, he doesn't... Look, the rebounds are good. The assists are good. But they're just marginally above average. The points are good. They're really above average, but they're not elite elite. And then you get to the shooting, which is 46% below average and 76 from the line, well below average on decent volume, which hurts a lot. That hurts his production. So when we look at what Edwards, we can look at his advanced numbers. They're all really strong. Darko loves him. Um, EPM loves him. LeBron's not as interested in him. 61st percentile against starters, which is interesting. But from a fantasy perspective, what do we look at here? Can Edwards become an 80% free throw shooter? Yeah, absolutely he can be. I've got no real issue with that happening. Can he go from a 24-point player to 27? Yes, 100%. Can he go from a 46% guy to a 49% field goal player? Yes. I think all of that can happen. Can he ever be better than 1.6 steals? Probably not. Although he was really good at defensive stats this season. Really good. Will his rebounds and assists ever spike higher than that? Also, probably not. But if we increase efficiency from the field on twos, maybe not on threes, 37% seems okay, on free throws, get the scoring up to 27, then he does become a top 20 player. And I think I'll have more confidence in Edwards being drafted in the top 20 for this coming season and for many, many seasons to come than I did last season. You know, we saw the breakout. It still didn't result in a top 20 season. Um, and there is still more to come. He was really bad on the free throws to begin the year, and that did improve as the season went on. His fantasy points numbers are all really strong. You can see in the middle, he started to turn in much bigger games than at the start of the season, which did you know, hold back some of his overall numbers. So the 33, while it's not where we want it to be, it's a third-round player, I think it's a little misleading, and I do think that he will be a guy that will be almost definitely a second-round guy and probably a top-20 player. Again, that's 75.6 from the line. Just turn it to 78. That's all you need to do, and he, he probably jumps five, six spots from that. 24 points becomes 27 points, and then you're talking top 15. It's not hard for him to get here. The big step to get it last season was hard to do, but now it's incremental steps, and I think it gets there I think it gets there next season. His EPM was you know, pretty strong, really stepped it up in the playoffs. Is stepping it up in the playoffs always an indicator of the regular season to come? No, it's not. But we saw him really put together big performances and establish himself very, very clearly as the number one usage player on this team. Very clearly. Let's let's look at the next guy. Rudy Gobert. Rudy Gobert. Yeah, look, it was really bad. Let's be fair. Um, 60th ranked player in category leagues. 48th in minus one because, you know, you've got his bad free throws, which you take away. 63rd in points. He's in ADP of 28. 
I was guilty of saying, hey, look, if you want to take him at the end of the second round, his strength should be enough pairing him with the right guy. A Giannis at two, Gobert at 23 pairing could make sense. You're really boosting up the strengths there. But of course, both of those guys struggled in other areas that weren't free throws. And the problem with Gobert here is he's 31 um, and the blocks disappeared. That's not because Carl anthony Towns was taking the blocks. A bit of that is scheme, but it's also age. And at age 31, Gobert is still... Don't, don't get it confused. He's still very good defensively. He still is a good player, but that peak is gone and it's probably not coming back. 31 years of age, 70 games, 31 minutes. That's concerning, 31 minutes. He had multiple injuries this season as well, though. I think it was a calf problem, which kept him sort of in and out consistently. It was a groin, one of those anyway. 17 usage, that's never going to be better. 13 points, 12 rebounds, 1.4 blocks. 66 from the field, 66 from the line. One of the things that I am focusing a lot more on in my fantasy analysis is the way that big men get overvalued by rankings. And I think it's really important to note that because of the way that blocks in particular, but also field goal percentage can be not not normal skewed, not normal distribution. Whereas a lot of the value is tied into guys right at the very top. I know my hand's out of screen there. Right at the very top, meaning that your Z score on that number or your field goal percentage looks super high because you're comparing it to you know 95% of the guys who are all below average. And those guys who bring them get these huge boosts there and it over artificially, I believe, overvalues some of these players. And when you provide strengths in three categories, because that's all it is, it's rebounds, it's blocks, and it's field goal percentage. And they're very good. He's very good in those three categories. But no threes, limited assists, low steals, negative free throws, and below average points. And this is going to turn into like with a Rob Williams and uh, a Yucca Pirtle and, and guys like that whose overall ranks, and then of course the turnovers will throw it in and make them look even better than they are, that when you pick them based on how a flat fantasy rank formula might show their value, I think you end up in real trouble. Because it really pigeonholes you. You've got to get and reach for other players. Like when you've got three strengths only and you've been considered a second rounder, he's not going to be considered a second rounder anymore. I don't, that's fine. But just as a general archetype of players, we need to be really, really cautious about overvaluing the guys who get the bumps in a couple of categories due to a not normal distribution of stats in that category. I'm looking at you blocks. That's the one that really can skew guys. And we've been burnt often with that. And when you get old and you go from 2.5 blocks to 1.4, well, you're in your rooted, aren't you? And like Gobert to me, I don't know yet because I haven't projected anything, but almost almost no way that he's a top 50 player next season. Almost no chance. Fantasy points graph, well, he's never a good fantasy points guy, but you can see the games missed in the middle there with that in and out injury situation that bothered him. He had obviously the suspension in the playoffs of punching Kyle Anderson. He had a back problem. He's 31, seven foot tall. Huge, unbelievable athlete, huge wingspan, but the body breaks down. And I am, this was part of the concern with the Gobert trade to begin with, is it like the, the bloke's old and he's owed a lot of money, but maybe it doesn't continue the production. And while he was still useful, like EPM was still okay with him. And he had a nice little renaissance there sort of around the Mike Conley trade. And you can see that boost in production. I don't think we get anything back similar to what he's been in the past. Done, cooked, finished. 
And I'd say there's a higher chance that he ranks worse this season than he goes back to being what he was in Utah. I still think the odds are he is better than he was this last season. That 60th rank might make him 52nd. And all it takes, again, all it takes is 1.4 blocks to turn to 1.7 blocks. That's all it takes. One extra block every three games is all it takes for Gobert to push back to be a top 50 player. But is it a real top 50 or is it a fake top 50? And I'm starting to get more into analyzing the impact of distribution of stats and how many categories you're actually good at as to where you should be ranked. I think that becomes important. Let's talk Kyle Anderson. Bit of a steal for the Wolves to get him. Stupid for the Grizzlies to let him go. He was awesome this season. There is no doubt about that. We have to remember, and I'll show you this when we get to the fantasy points graph, that he wasn't in the rotation to start the season. He had a back problem all year, which limited him, but ended up 91st in category leagues. 91st for Kyle Anderson. I don't think, well, I know I didn't have any idea that that would be the case. 91st. 92nd in minus wank. Not minus wank. You can minus or plus wank. That's fine. Minus rank. Minus one rank. 92nd. Yahoo points 111th. He had an ADP of 139, but he just wasn't drafted anyway. 8% drafted. And he clearly outperformed everyone's expectations. But the reason that happened is because Carl Anthony Towns got injured and missed 50 plus games. Anderson started, he played 30 minutes a night, and he was great. And we will see this as we move to the graph in a second, that he just wasn't producing at the start and expecting that again. No way. He's going to be 30. He played 69 games, 28 minutes, 15% usage. That 28 minutes, most of the damage was done when he was playing 30, and he's likely to be a 25-minute-a-night player, I would guess. Unless, of course, they trade Towns and start Anderson full-time at the four which I don't think they'll do. Nine points, 0.63s, five rebounds, five assists, one steal, one block. 51, 41, 74% shooting. So another interesting player that hurts you in threes, hurts you in points. Good rebounds, very good assists, nice steals, nice blocks, marginally above average for both. Great field goals, below average free throws. And that makes him 91st. Like, it's all right, but there's no way in the world that I'm drafting him as a top 100 player next season. None. Impact-wise, he's very good. 84th percentile EPM, 80th in Darko, 84th in estimated wins, 84th percentile. You see the Darko graph, how much he improved and how important he was. But again, look at the start of the year on this fantasy points graph. Nothing. Until Towns goes down, and then the numbers start to spike and the minutes start to spike. He barely played to begin the season. He was sort of in and out, played 20 minutes, 23 minutes. He struggled. And then the back problem for him all, all the way through. I really like Kyle Anderson as a player. He was a super useful guy that not everyone realized was a useful fantasy guy. Not as good in points leagues, clearly. But a player that really helps your categories by giving you assists, steals, and blocks. He did it with good field goals as well. And okay rebounds. Like, probably helped, to be honest, in more categories than Gobert. But the the level of help, the magnitude of the help is also what's important. If you look at the graph of him... He you know, struggled early on, missed games, back injury if you in the middle there, but the impact rose as the minutes rose. He was a super important player for them. But again, if you're going to rely upon 30-year-old Kyle Anderson to be one of your best players, you're not going anywhere. He's a great piece. He's a great value guy that steps up into a role and is always impactful when he's on the court. But what he did fantasy-wise this season is just not a realistic expectation as we move forward. And, I, and the reason I know that some people will value him this way is that people ask me questions about Kyle Anderson. It's like, hey, 
can we get another top 100 season out of him? Like, no, we can't. Or sorry, I mean, we could, but it would require an injury again for a long period of time for that to be the case. And I just, yeah, banking on that, I just don't think is realistic. Let's talk Mike Conley, who came across in a trade from Utah, 115 category leagues, 114th in points leagues, only drafted at 130. I'm pretty sure I had him a little bit earlier than that, around the 100 mark. I could be wrong on that. I definitely didn't have him at 130. So that's really good steal value there. He's 35, going to be 36 towards the start of next season. Hmm. 67 games, 30 minutes, 17 usage, 12 points, two threes, seven assists or close to seven over a steal, 43, 39, and 83% shooting. Some interesting parts there. The threes are nice. The steals are okay. The assists are pretty good. The free throws are good. He's probably, you would expect, going to be starting for this team again next season. But, like, when you get to, again, assists can be really hard to find in drafts. So you you can value him around that 110 mark, most likely, around that area. Like, he's probably got one more of those years left in him. But at eight, 30 minutes a night, at age 36, he, now, they don't have another guy there that's good at this position. But they might just play him 27 a night. And then drafting him in round 10 or round 11... It limits everything you do. Like, there's no upside in that. There's no value in that. And I don't... You'd have to expect that things do just continue to decline. He's still really impactful. 91st percentile on EPM. 7.6 estimated wins. But the worry you have, I guess, looking at this Darko graph, is there's a huge drop in value there. But he picked it back up. That was his start of his Utah tenure, I'm pretty sure. Picked it back up, but you can see the decline in his production. He's 36. This is not, I wouldn't think reversing course and he's getting better. And I don't know what they do now. Like, who is their point guard of the future? They don't have a first-round pick to get one. They don't have anyone on the roster to take that role, Alexander Walker. Do they play Kyle Anderson full-time, 30-year-old with a bad back at point guard, who's not a point guard? Do they just make Anthony Edwards the point guard? Then who fits his position? They are in real trouble. I don't know what they do at this position. Do they trade? Is this why they trade Towns? Because hey, we need another point guard. We need somebody else. So I'm really worried about this team and where they fit with Conley moving forward because while the cliff might have hit a little bit, it could still hit even further. And you can see he missed a bunch of time there with that knee injury, which was pretty bad early in the season, but came back, played through it. Still, again, very, very good. But when we talk about his production, like look at someone like a Kyle Lowry, a similar age player, and how badly the wall hit him this year. And yeah, Larry's having some good playoff moments, but you just can't do it consistently. You can't run him 30 plus minutes a night. There's almost no way that I can see Conley being better than he was this season. And I don't know what the Wolves do with it, but they can't replace him unless they make a trade of somebody. His EPM, you can see the trade with that dotted line in the middle there. He was able to put together some really big numbers for or EPM numbers for Minnesota when he got there. He feels like a guy that should have always been playing for Minnesota. For some reason, like Minnesota, Memphis, Utah, like these are his teams. Like that's just the teams that he thrives on and always seems to go under the radar. And he was still, again, really good. But when looking at his fantasy numbers, you worry a little bit. Let's talk Jaden McDaniels, who is a player that many people were very high on as a sleeper pick in drafts. And I was not. And I think the reason that I was not was illustrated this season. Yes, I love what Jaden McDaniels can do. I love his defensive ability. Um, we knew that they would rely upon him for a big chunk of role and minutes and all that sort of stuff. 
But when you're picking him at 110 or his ADP was 130, whatever it was, what did you think he was going to be able to do? Grab tons of rebounds with Townsend Gobert there? Obviously not. Get lots of usage with Edwards and Towns there? Obviously not. Block shots as the third rim protector? Probably not. Be really good on the perimeter defensively? Sure. But that doesn't mean anything. Get touches as the fifth offensive option? No. And this is why, again, when go back to that list where Timberwolves fans, man, how can you not have Jaden on this list? Because Jaden McDaniels at this point, and I'm not sure it ever changes, is a thoroughly below average fantasy player. He is 22 and there is room to improve lots of things. But on this team, it, do- it doesn't happen. He played 79 games, 31 minutes, 16 usage. And there were plenty of times when Towns was out or when Anderson was out and you get opportunities for him and he just wouldn't consistently step up. His usage would stay the same and then one game it would go crazy and then it would fall off again. And it just you couldn't get any sort of, hey, I am now this guy and I can take on this bigger role. It just didn't happen for him. 12 points, 1.43s. Shot 40%. That's really good. Didn't take enough of them. Four rebounds. 0.9 steals, 0.9 blocks. For a guy that's as good defensively as he is, and he is... You need 1.7 steals. You need 1.4 blocks. You need Jonathan Isaac type numbers. And he hasn't demonstrated that he can do that and generate those numbers. And he can't generate big usage. And he's not a passer. And he's not a great rebounder, especially when you play next to Gobert and Towns. So 52%, 40% from three is great. 74 from the line is not ideal. Impact-wise, EPM likes him, of course. LeBron doesn't. Negative 0.41. 35th percentile compared to starters. And Darko... Negative, 164th. And you can see that graph. It's improving, ever improving, improving to zero. To zero, to being a net positive or net not a uh, net neutral. Not positive, not negative. So, we love looking in dynasty leagues at age and the value of players. And he's played three years. He's 22. He's still young. Big steps forward, elite defender. But is this, is this DeAndre Hunter? Now, he's obviously a better defensive stat generator than DeAndre Hunter, but a guy that will continually play 31, 32 minutes um, and just never show that ability to give you two positives or three big positive categories because that's what he needs to do. Will he ever be an 18-point scorer? Which, remember, 18 points is barely above average for fantasy leagues. Will he ever be a guy that's a seven-rebound player? Probably not. The hope you've got to have is... You know, 1.3 steals, 1.2 blocks. And up that volume of threes from you know, hitting 1.4 to hitting 2.1, 2.2. That That's not impossible. But be, to become an overall super stud top 40 player, I don't think that the game that he has leads to that. You can see, like, he played tons of games, but there are plenty of situations here where the red line on this graph, minutes, is well above the blue line, fantasy points. And that is not a great indicator for a good fantasy player. And then, of course, he broke his hand, smashing a wall in the in the playoffs and uh, ended his season. Impact on the court, really good. You'd love for him to be able to do a little bit more, but until a bunch of stuff clears out with his team, I don't think it happens. And even when those guys were out, he didn't do it consistently enough. It wasn't like, well, he had this top 50 run when Anderson and Towns were out um, and showed us what he can do because he sort of, just was the same guy. And he's way worse in points leagues. Doesn't average anywhere near enough fantasy, enough fantasy points to be considered a must-roster player or must-draft player in those situations. 
the 31 minutes can definitely improve and probably should. Probably should hit 34 a night, which helps everything, which might, might push him to be a top 110 player, which is still totally okay. It's still draftable. It's still usable. But does it take you to the next level? Can he go into those other areas? I'm a little skeptical. And that's why, honestly, when I made my top 25 dynasty players from the last three drafts, he didn't even come into consideration for me. He doesn't have that fantasy game upside, I don't think. Let's talk Wizard of Noz. It is Nas Reed, who was 159th in category leagues, 173rd in points leagues. The difference here is that he played 18 minutes versus 31 for McDaniels. This is the profile of a great fantasy player. Now, on court, he's way worse than what McDaniels is. Obviously, he also ended his season with a broken wrist. But all it requires is 23 a night, and we're good. We're cooking. 68 games, 18 minutes, 25 usage, which is probably too high. But he's still not 24. He's 23.7. 24 at start of next season. 11 points, 5 rebounds, a 3.8 blocks, 54% shooting, 35 from 3, 68 from the line. So how is he able to be as good as he is? What What is he providing that's positive? Well, it's field goal percentage. It's above average or average to above average blocks. It's around average rebounds. And the intriguing thing is it's 18 minutes. I would expect, given how he played, and if they bring him back, he'll probably play 21 or 22, and they'll extra commit to the double bigs, whereas in the past, they were just saying, well, you know, we're barely going to play you because Townsend Gobert are going to get all center minutes. So it might be a situation where it's like, well, you three guys get all center and a lot of power forward minutes, and maybe Towns never plays at center, which, of course, then trickles down to McDaniels and Anderson's value. Despite all this, like his impact stuff wasn't massively strong, because defensively, he is pretty bad. Negative 1.1 Darko, 284th in the NBA. EPM's got him 66th percentile. LeBron's got him 28th percentile. So some red flaggy sort of stuff there. We know that, give the minutes, it's the old Bobby Portis, Kenneth Fareed scenario. Give the minutes, the production will be huge. Nice little spike there in the middle, that big blue spike where he put up huge numbers. And he's still really good in low minutes. But... When you force or you bank your team on giving Nas Reed big minutes, you probably bank your team on getting bigger losses. And that is part of the problem. For as exciting as he can be, for as dominant stretches as he can have, when we're trying to analyze where he fits in the free agency landscape or in dynasty leagues, is that he's not a guy that you feel comfortable with that if we load up as him as our center, it doesn't make us better. If we give him 28 a night, does it make us better? And the answer is probably not. So we can look at per 36 is all we want. We can look at you know, usage rates and all that stuff, all we want. The fact is that barring injuries, I'm not sure a team commits to him in that role. Could be wrong. It very easily could be wrong. He's what, three years in? Very easily could be wrong. Um, but no evidence so far to suggest that that's likely. EPM stuff, and this is where they started going to him where he's getting replacement games where Gobert was out, but also when they started to go more too big with him, and it did start to work. Like that, That's encouraging. That's really encouraging that it was able to work to that level towards the end. But I still don't, you know, if I'm talking dynasty, I don't think I'm valuing him top 100. Maybe top 120. Maybe. And I just think if a team loads up or, or, or convinces themselves, let's make an offer, He's going to be our starting center. It might last a year or two before they decide, yeah, this is a 
starting center in a 24-minute starting center role, and eventually we need someone else in there. That, that's my worry a little bit with Nas. The artist uh, formerly known as Torian Prince, a guy that is a great example of a player that a few years ago in Atlanta was given a sizable role. And because he had a sizable role, he put up okay numbers. And then we sort of just realized that, yeah, nah, like it doesn't actually help us. And now he's relegated to this role, which is probably where he's going to stay. He's about 29. Category ranked 249th, 264th in Yahoo points leagues. He had one absolutely gigantic game at one point where he just, what, he hit like nine of nine threes. But overall, he, he struggled. He had a severe ankle injury earlier in the season as well. 54 games for him, 22 minutes, 18 usage, nine points, two rebounds, half a steal, 47, 38, and 84 again. He's a three and D guy that I'm not sure his D is that good. That's what she said. Um, and his three-pointer is good, but it's not elite. He's, you want him to be that player, but the way he had success in Atlanta was just by getting way more usage and it didn't lead to positive stuff necessarily. The advanced stuff is actually pretty bad on him. Now he did obviously in the deer here in that 21, 22 season on his Darko jumped it back up and then dropped off a little bit here this year. He's a fine player to have as a rotation guy. You like some size. He Sometimes he can rebound. Sometimes he can defend. He told me he's got a little bit about it to me, a little bit of the Sadiq Bays about him, but he's more likely to take threes and not think of himself as a hero who can control an offense the way that Bay has. But a guy that should be a good defender or looks like he could be a good defender, but often struggles in that area. EPM had him at negative 1.9. So overall, the, the metrics for him are pretty rough. You can see on the, on the points graph here, there's a big spike there in that February, March period. Um, you miss a bunch of time in the middle with injuries. And overall, like just sort of struggled around and there's... No reason to think that much is going to change with that. He was, again, just a serviceable player who, if you needed to move on from him because someone else needs that role, then you don't care. Jalen Noel, I thought, could be a little bit of a sneaky option for this team that they could play him some minutes. He could handle the ball a little bit, maybe run as a backup point guard, play a 22-minute combo guard role off the bench, be a microwave scorer. And yeah, look, it was a bad season for Jalen Noel. He still wasn't a terrible fantasy guy. 270th, which considering how bad his season was, that's not that's not a bad rank. 225th in points leagues. He's 24. We said earlier, he's an unrestricted free agent. 19 minutes, 26 usage, 11 points, and a three. Right? But he hit 29% from three. For him to do what he does on that usage, he needs to hit 39%. And he has done that in the past. He just couldn't get anything going. And then... He had this knee injury that he just couldn't shake for the final two months of the season. So you can see that trend line on his Darko graph is pushing up and pushing up. And that's sort of eye test and vibes around Noel would tell us that. And then it was just really, really bad this season. 396th in Darko. There's still something here for him. Bulk scoring, volume threes, good free throws, steals not bad. Maybe some assist capability. Two assists in 19 minutes isn't terrible, but it's not great but he just looked lost for most of this season, which is unfortunate for a guy that flashed some things. I would like to get him back, hope the knee's right, and see what we can get from him, because again, you don't have ball handling options on this team. You don't have bench ball handling options, so you probably want to see what he can bring. And as you can see on this EPM graph, just so many blue dots towards the end there and their games that he missed with that knee problem. So I'm not fully giving up on Jalen Noel, but it was a big slap in the face for those of us who believe that he could develop into a strong sixth man. The killer Alexander Walker didn't really do much in Utah. Ended up in um, Minnesota. And at the end of the year, 
did start to put together some better performances defensively, which is great because offensively, he hasn't really been able to get it going. 323rd in category leagues, 15 minutes a game, 19 usage. He shot all right, 38% from three, but six points, two assists, half a steal, 67 from the line. His advanced stuff is all okay. It's probably look, looks a little bit better than Noel. And we can see that there was a big drop off in his value, but he started to improve it again. But overall, you don't want to trust him to be a starter. He's got good size. He's got good length. There's a little bit of something there for him. And he did work his way into a regular rotation role in this squad. But in terms of overall upside, starter upside, can he be the guy that replaces Mike Conley? I don't think he's a point guard. I think he's a um, not the same guy offensively. And by that, I mean this guy that I'm going to talk about shithouse. But like a Romeo Langford, a guy that you thought came in as a point guard, but is actually a, a 6'6 wing defender. But Alexander Walker's got way more offensive upside than um, Romeo Langford. He's only 25. He's a restricted free agent. I would look to bring him back and see how him and Noel can develop there behind Conley. If I was prioritizing one, I'd prioritize Alexander Walker over Noel. But overall, for fantasy value, I don't really think there's any sort of breakout coming at all for him. There's not much to see on that APM graph or that points league graph either. And I thought that even though this guy barely played, he was their first round pick that they, I believe, traded up for. And that's Wendell Moore. 493rd in category leagues, 515 points leagues, all terrible. He played 29 games with only five minutes a game. He averaged one point, shot 12% from three. <laughs> like, they're all terrible numbers. Darko's got him 351st. EPM's got him uh, 5th percentile. There's not a lot to tell from any of this stuff. But there was a stage early in the season where they started him. And they get it, went out there and said, do some defensive stuff. And I thought he was all right at it. Now, as a first-round pick to play five minutes a game in 30 minutes, like to get to like 150 minutes played, is really disastrous. And you would hope that a little bit older as a rookie as well, again, the guys who come in after three years, the NBA ready, yeah? No, they're not good enough. That's why they stayed longer in college. Usually, usually. He should be better. I could see him taking a little bit more of the Austin Reeves, Austin Reeves, Austin Rivers minutes next season um, and stepping up. And he had an intriguing skill set in college with some steals, some assists, some shooting, but there needs to be a big improvement for him, quite obviously. You can see that little stretch early in the season where he was playing some okay minutes and starting some games. So not without hope that he can develop into a Torian Prince type replacement. He's got the size. He's got the, the position that you want to fill, and that's the three, which is hard to fill. And with Prince in 29 and Anderson 30, yeah, as a backup in the future to Jaden McDaniels, maybe. So I'm not going to write him off, but it was definitely disappointing this season for Wendell, who I thought would probably be more of a second round pick in the draft than a first rounder. I'd like to see if we get a larger role from him. So I'm not writing him off as a player. I don't think we're ever going to get great fantasy stuff for him, but he wasn't a player at that point of the draft who had an, at least an intriguing fantasy profile. So we're not going to fully write that off. And I think there is an opportunity for more minutes for him coming next season. That will do it for me today. Tomorrow, we're going to do... I don't know what we're going to do. What, which team we're going to do tomorrow? I'm oh, going to do the Clippers tomorrow. And then it's a 2022 NBA draft redraft. So follow this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, and on the Odyssey app. Playoffs are going on at the moment. Actually, the time I'm recording this, it is just the end of the Celtics um, Sixers game. That game's just finished. The Sixers go up 3-2 with game six back in Philadelphia. I picked Philadelphia in this season, series, and I thought there was no way it was going to happen. 
maybe it's going to happen. And then we've got the Phoenix-Denver game going on later on. I think the Lakers are going to wrap it up against the Warriors. I still think the Nuggets are going to beat the Suns overall in this series. And things are definitely tilted towards the Sixers winning. And I have zero hope of the Knicks winning. So we're probably Miami-Philly conference final. Embiid versus Butler. Maybe. Is that what we're looking at? And Lakers... Lakers-Nuggets? Or Lakers-Suns? That one's... Nuggets-Suns is hard to call. Be interesting to see where that all goes. I think I've said follow and all that stuff, so I'll just for now say, guys, we're done here. Thank you so much for listening, everyone. See ya.